And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering everything Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, while Captain Doza meets with the First Order, Torek has and BB-8 sneak around on their own secret mission. There will be... That bitch can smack down! Laser beam games! And Buckles is here! We're talking secrets and holograms this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Is he Buggles or Bubbles? I couldn't. I can never tell. It's G's. They... It's, it's G's. G's. Buggles. Yeah. Yeah, it's Buggles with two G's. Buggles. I did think it was Bubbles for a while there, though, because that is kind of bubbly. Oh, Buggles. He looks Why? like a Bubbles. He does. He does. He does. He look kind like of looks like the character Bubbles in Trailer Park Boys. So I was hoping it would be a reference to him, but no. <laughs> you. That's a, you mentioned Trailer Park Boys yesterday in uh, Home Express Watch Cartoons, and I'm just like, what if, like, you started just an account that's just like, does this media have Trailer Park Boy references? Yes or no. There's actually um, an account on Twitter called Veers Watch, and it's just pretty much he rates everything on whether or not that, that Veers is in it. And it's just like, this book from the High Republic, is Veers in it or no? No, he's not born yet. <laughs> like, that's the whole account. Be like, this comic from the Empire Strikes Back is Veers in it. Yes, he's alive. <laughs> and that's the whole account. And you should do that with Trailer Park Boys. Does he have just... to actually be in it, or does it just have to be when he's alive? So he's technically in it in the un- in universe when. Uh, it's it's well, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, he's always looking for things that has Veers in it, but uh, there there has been technicalities. Yeah, there's probably like... not very much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some technicality things of, like, this is based on Hoth, so he's technically in one of those walkers. Yes, Veers is here. <laughs> but the whole thing is just, he, he seems like a really nice guy. I, I don't know him personally, but the people who I do know that know him says he's a really great guy, so. Anywho, what did you think of Secrets and Holograms? It was pretty good. I like this one, too. I actually, um, I liked it a lot more than... I remembered that I liked it because I always thought it was okay, and I, I actually really liked it a lot more. Um, I go back and forth on that last scene because I think it's really well animated, and it does put action into the episode. But I don't think the the episode needs like action always, you know. No, but you know, every once in a while, I mean, this yeah. is this is a very like this isn't really a character based. Sh- episode except i mean you get to know Tora a little better you know i disagree get... i think this is a very character-based episode for Tora, ruckland and doza this is like a big milestone well, episode for all three well, for Ruck- well yeah sort of well Ruck- well i don't know about the ruckland has stuff i mean they have stuff going on but i think uh Tora's like like doza it's sort of like 
I mean, like internal character stuff. It's more Torah than anything else. Like, like Rucklin, it's kind of a gag, but it is a gag that will that adds into the psychology of where he ends up. And Doza, yeah. it's just it's adding mis it's adding mystery and elements to his character that are gonna get you know that have to get figured out. You know, we don't we we don't really learn about we're learning about him as Kaz learns about him, but like. But I mean, like having like a sort of like overarching theme to the episode, the most the character I think it, that has the most of that, I guess, is Tora. But it's more of like just getting to see what her life is like more. But for mostly it was sort of just like a uh, a, a, a spy episode. It was uh, kind of Kaz doing spy stuff from top to bottom. But yeah, and actually, and doing really well with spice stuff from top yeah. to bottom. So, <clears throat> well, you ready to get into it? Uh huh. And I, it just struck me all the action is kind of spy action and not like fight action. It's more like sneaking, sneaking around and uh, evading, and then well, we'll get into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that's why that like final scene kind of sticks out to me because. To me, the action was already there, and it felt like the trash compactor scene was just a little like, oh, this is a kid show. We can't be too subtle. Let's have yeah, a trash. I, I also had the feeling that somebody had the idea for instead of a trash impact compactor, what about an incinerator? Well, we'll get to that, too. I have some notes on that. <laughs> yeah. I have notes on it, too. So. A, that's a great idea. We got to put that in somewhere. Even though it doesn't make sense at all. No. We don't need it. Well, it was the same in Star Wars, so it, it you know, it was just sort of randomly they're in the tra trash compactor. So yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> you ready? I'm ready. Secrets and Holograms is the tenth episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on December second, two thousand eighteen. It was written by Stephanie Fols. Stephanie Flosom, who is actually also the writer of Toy Story 4, and she's one of the writers on the upcoming Lord of the Rings show. I think she wrote the first two episodes, so I'm really excited about that. And it was directed by Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. Buckles is a Vore pack, and design was based on concept art developed by Terrell Witchlatch for The Phantom Menace. Vore packs were an eight-legged pet favored by the Naboo uh, aristocrat. Aristocracy. <laughs> Woohoo, my brain! Aristocracy. It is aristocracy, but my brain just went Aristo, and then it just quit. And I was like, <laughs> Aristocracy. <laughs> my, Aristocracy. My brain was like, that is one too many syllables. We're going to just end with aristocrat. <laughs> and then my brain was like, too many syllables, too many. <laughs> Aristocracy, the Naboo aristocracy. Buggles may be a design breed, though, because he only has six legs and not eight. I like Vorpak. It reminds me of Zoltek. Oh, yeah. Vorpak. And finally, the flight simulator squadron game that Tora and Kaz play is a cross between Asteroids and Dance Dance Revolution, with a space slug surprise thrown in there just for good measure. But in earlier in the earlier premise of this episode, the game involved navigating an Ewok fly, uh, running through lasers fired by stormtroopers. Uh, the slug looked like a, a T-Rex head when it first stuck out, and I'm like... Well, what's a T-Rex head doing? Oh, okay, it's a space slug. I think it's so 
cute because it's just like meh, meh, meh. I like when cause I don't, I'm noting this now because I don't have any other notes about this game um, but I liked when we actually got to see the whole 3D thing because when you're looking on it straight on it looks flat but when you had that wide shot in Tora's room you could actually see that it was a 3D cube and I thought that was such a cool idea that it's not like it's just projecting a flat screen. There's actually like a cube. So they're like actually moving it back and forth and through. And I, I just thought that was a really cool concept. And then I was like, have we ever seen video games in Star Wars? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I know we have like bolo ball and we have sports and killing pirates. My, killing my first note was no video games in Star Wars. No video games? Like now. you don't want them? No, no, no video games till now. We've had graphics and stuff, you know, and navigation animations and stuff like that and sports. Yeah. But like I was racking my brain. I'm like, no, I don't think we've that. Well, uh, uh, I think we've been defeated, Hope, from the original Star Wars. And then every J.J. Abrams Star Wars is the chessboard. I guess that's technically a video game. I really see that as a video game though i guess yeah i guess i so flight simulator is it's chess simulator flight simulator you know dance simulator yeah you're right ah you're 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 right it kind of is but all right there's another first in this episode so don't worry we'll get okay but you also know who is the first in our hearts Hi, Yoda. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Yoda's happy today. Why are you happy? I d- don't woke up happy. Happy, happy, happy. I, I, Yoda. The weather's getting beautiful. It's you know we're getting towards spring. Everything's warm. But I have a question for you, Yoda. Oh yes, question for Yoda. And it's actually from one of our listeners. It's okay. from Mr. Diego Lemos. And he writes to you, I have a question for Yoda. In the novel, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, it is mentioned that Obi-Wan has seen Yoda truly angry only once, and that was when that little shit Anakin Skywalker played a prank on him that is described as the firework incident in the reflection pond. Can Yoda elaborate on that? What did that brat do with those fireworks to make Yoda so mad? Did he blow up your koi pond? Yoda? You know what makes Yoda mad? Oh. Personal questions! Mmm! Asking questions about mm, Yoda's injuries. Mm. In- oh, what injuries. has Yaddle told you? Mm? Is this why they don't call you Tripod anymore? Uh. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you crying, Yoda? It's okay. Mm. Are you? Oh, honey. I won't hug you because you're gross, but it's okay. They're there. Yoda's not angry. Calm down, Yoda. Mm. Mm. Anger leads to hate. Hate In leads the to past the... it was, Yoda. Yes. Anger leads to the dark side, Yoda. <sighs> it's okay. It's okay. 
okay, buddy. It's a, a, you yeah. know, you know what? It's okay, buddy. I'll give you a hug. Come here. Come, 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 don't, come in. Don't touch Yoda. Okay, 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 okay. Um, well, you know, I'm just gonna say that I'm sure Anakin didn't mean it, which is a lie, because I'm sure he did, but, you know, kids will be kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Yoda has to find something to kick. Okay, well, I'm sure you have a, have a, have a log that's the shape of Yaddle's face. So go, you go kick that, honey. You go take care of yourself. You know, self-care. Don't don't talk about the shape of Yoda's log. I think it's a sensitive... <laughs> yeah, I... I, just, cause it kinda I think hit that's why that he's we, mad. <laughs> we haven't called him Tripod since our Clone Wars episodes, and it just dawned on me and why Did we don't... Did you notice how he tripod. sort of... When you said fireworks, he just sort of, like, shriveled up? Yeah. Not good. Not good. Probably other things shriveled up, too. It's just... But, you know, that means him and Anakin are twinsies. Explains a lot, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, that's know, true. That's Anakin, true. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Anakin lost his on Mustafar, so they're twinsies now! Yay! Yay! Oh, my God. <laughs> There's some fan art for you. Me and Megan talk about that more than you know. I no, I I I believe it. I totally we, believe it. We joke about that all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. We, you were the talk- one who was telling me about how you guys know the texture of Thrawn's penis. We, oh we no, also- no, no, that's not Thrawn. Um, you're uh. Grande. Grande. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We also talk a lot about how. Maul and Kira have sex. Let's just say there's Night Sister magic involved that makes things magically appear. Oh. Night Sister magic, it's magically delicious. That's what Kira said last night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Jeez, Yoda's bad enough, Hope. Come on. Where's the Yoda? <laughs> Act one. Act one. Give me one second to blow my nose. That's how you start the act right there. What? I I laughed so hard I had to blow my nose. (laughs) All right. Act one. We open with Toradoza being a teenager in her room. And she's playing the Space Odyssey DDR game with her cute monstrous pet buggles. She's really bored. Turns out being the only teenager in the upper class really sucks because you have no one your age with to hang out because all the other people that you want to hang out with are poor and on the other levels. And they're like outside having fun in the yard because playing in the yard is free. She decides to see if her dad Captain Best Dad Manuel Doza would like to go on a day cruise because they're rich. And Captain Doza is nervous because he has a very, very important mission. Or, sorry, not mission. Meeting today with the First Order, and he's nervous. But Tora dramatically kicks in the door with buggles in her arms, and she flops on a fainting couch and yells, Oh, father! Woe is the rich teenager 
who is alone with no friends because her fiendish parents trapped her in her room while her rebel mother is away and her father has meetings all days. I'm so alone, father. Woe is me and me alone. Did I mention I'm alone? And Dosa's like, I know it must be hard having everything provided for you while you're still a superstar ace pilot. Sounds horrible. Tor points out that since they have been coming around, aka they being the First Order, Doza has gotten like way more protective of his daughter and they're not even like racing or anything anymore. And Emmanuel is like, yeah, I know. I used to be one of those guys. I know what they're capable of, honey. And Tor is like, I'm an ace pilot though and I know how the world works. And Doza's like, you are 16 years old and you have no idea what you're talking about, sweetie. And they get in a spat. And I, I, I'm actually, like, really amping up Torella, but I love her in this scene, actually. And they get in a spat. And it ends with Doza telling 4D, the most secret badass droid in this show, who is a powerhouse who brings a reckoning with her, to make sure that Tora stays locked in her room until the First Order is gone. Tora flurries out of there like a teenager with her dog. And her little dog, too. And that's when Doza gets a call from old Goldie himself, Commander Pyre, who will arrive on the Colossus soon. Tor is not happy with 4D and being stuck in her room again, which I just want to say I would love to her room. I love her room setup. Like, do you see her desk space? She has so much desk space and she has that sweet bed and all those stuffed animals with all like a hologram video game system. I it's nice her. to be rich. This it, like it reminds me of like going to visit like your rich friends when you were kids, you know? Yeah. Like you have Absolutely. the helicopter game. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at, I actually, like, paused on Tor's desk just so I could look at it, because I, I kind of, like, want to redo my desk setting, because my desk setting's not ideal for me, and I was just, like, looking and drooling over her desks, and then I was like, I am a 30-something-year-old watching this show, and I'm just like, look at the desk space, <laughs> look at her, look at her desk chair, her desk chair it's looks so comfortable, I bet it has good lumbar support. <laughs> when uh, when Jurassic, I hate to just uh, cut it in the middle of no, the, fine, the, 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 the Jurassic Park came out. Our, my boss took us to see. It was like we're all going to Jurassic Park tonight because he wanted to see it. So we all like piled in the back of his pickup truck and rode out to the theater and watched Jurassic Park. And I sat next to my boss. And at the end, when the when the um, Velociraptors are chasing him through the kitchen, he's like, "Look at that steam table." Chris, Chris, that's a $5,000 steam table right there. Do you? Oh, my God. Look at that oven. Oh, my God. Do you know what? What brand is that oven? Oh, my God. All through the whole kitchen is the whole. Uh, yeah, that's what happens with old folks. Yeah. I have. Um, I still have never seen Jurassic Park to this day. That's good. And uh, now when that scene happens, I'm going to just think of it. I'm just going to be like, it's the hot. It's the little kids are getting chased through a ki kitchen by two oh, velociraptors. It's it's the highest tension part. It's one of the highest tension scenes in the whole movie. And I'm going to think about that. So and that, yeah, exactly. It's just like, woo, nice. It's a Steven Spielberg production. Of course, it's nice restaurant. Um, it's all brand right. new because they hadn't opened Jurassic Park yet. It was still so all the stuff was shiny new, too. So he was just like, <laughs> 
Yeah, my uh, my buddy Mark Marquis from Clashing Saber part podcast is a huge Jurassic Park fan, and I told him like I've never seen this movie, and he about freaked out. And I was like, if you ever want to do do like a podcast where I watch it for the first time and then we talk about it, and I, I was like, I'm open to that. So it Mark hit a lot. Big. It hit a lot bigger when it came out because the special effects were, you know, I mean the special effects hold up to this day. Yeah. But they're but you know, they're not like as exciting like when they first hit the screen, it was like, wow, real di- it's the first time like realistic dinosaurs ever. So it, it like yeah, it would be interesting to see. It's a good movie though. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's fun. And it's also a Kathleen Kennedy movie. Yeah, it's full of good full of good uh well, geez, yeah, almost yeah. Uh, what isn't <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy has you know, her, everybody who wants to cancel her name on so it's like when I, I once went up went to look up what movies Catholic because I know a lot of the I mean most of my favorite movies have her name on them but then I started looking them up and it's just like oh geez yeah <laughs> yeah she's been busy yeah all you people who want to you know say that she's the worst and has an agenda I hope you don't like yeah. you know E.T. and the Jurassic Park franchise and Indiana Jones and, you know, oh, Gremlins. Fairly fairly experienced in the industry, let's just put it that way, at making money and winning Oscars and all that stuff. Lincoln, Twister, Hook. Yeah, names on a lot of people's favorite movies of all time. Back to the Future. Hook, yeah, Hook, is, Hook might not be one of the big ones. I, although I like Hook, I know a lot of people like Hook. That might not be the. But no, these people that be like, but she was the executive producer on the last Airbender. Oh, well, you know, yep, that's what happens <laughs> if you're busy. <laughs> I love Hook too. That's actually somebody somewhere like. thought that one was gonna work. We'll get to that eventually, and Hope makes Chris watch cartoons yes. <laughs> one of these days. Soon enough. Uh, yeah, soon enough. But um, where was we? Oh, we were talking about Hor- uh, Tora's uh, awesome desk setup. Anyway, uh, Tora comes up with an excuse that she needs to walk her alien dog. Forty will take Buggles and locks Tora in her room. But like any good teenager, Tora knows the passcode to get out of her room because of course she does. And she escapes while Buggles pees on the floor in poor Forty's feet. During all this. Kaz, for once, has some free time from Yeager's place to do some spy work. Just as he's trying to figure out a way to doze a tower, he just so happens to run into Tora, escaping the tower. And she grabs his hand and shouts, Let's go, Kaz, before... Let's go break some rules, Kaz. I can't read. Let's go break some rules anywhere but here, but not really, because this is still my dad's platform, and I just want to go shopping. Let's go, Kaz, come on! And they make a run for it. Tora sees that the coast is clear in the marketplace, and Kaz is like, Um, is everything okay since you just kidnapped me? And Tora's like, Yeah, it's no biggie. My dad just wants me under house arrest while he talks to the First Order. No biggie at all! But I'm, like, so bored, and this is a YA show, so we have to have some hijinks somewhere in the plot. And Kaz turns to the camera, and the frame freezes, and his narration comes up, and he's like, The First Order... That was the moment where I knew everything was falling into place. And Kaz starts to ask about the First Order, and Tora just assumes, uh, and I just want to say this, she assumes wrong, which is a very important thing to add. She assumes wrong that the pirates are messing with the, the First Order ships too, which is why they probably want an alliance with the Colossus. 
Then a merchant tries to terribly upsell Tora on the price on a price of a pretty rock, and she shuts that down. But that makes a crowd gather around them, and they start all demanding answers about what her father is doing, and uh, they want answers out of her, a teenager, about why Dosa is suddenly canceling races and wondering why there are so many pirate attacks. Both of these things affect their livelihoods. And Kaz quickly gets her out of the mob and shuffles her to a more quiet location. And they watch as the First Order shuffle... shuffle? They watch as the First Order shuttle arrives, and Tora says that Doza, if Doza signs an agreement, then the First Order will have permission to patrol the entire platform. She laments that the only flying she will do is in her DDR flying game. And Kaz is like, ah, You have DDR flying game? I would love to play it! And not just as a way to get into your home and spy on your dad! And Tora's like, I'm so bored that I'm gonna completely ignore that last part! Let's go! And they head for the Aces Lounge. And the act ends with Commander Pyre meeting with Captain Doza. And Doza asks Pyre very logical questions, and Pyre deflects every question, like a kung fu dodging master in gold plating. And Doza makes his very grumpy face. What'd you think of Act 1? Yeah, Doza knows what all those dodges are. Oh, absolutely. He's That's why it's great. Yeah, he's he's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, so we don't know how long this could, t- this could last. Okay. Which means forever. Um, One of my first notes was video games first in Star Wars. Cross that one out. And my other one was, even though it's 3D, man, the graphics are pretty lame. For Star Wars, if they can do, if they can do like TV images across, you know, maybe it's a we, we have game. we have we have simulation games, you know, that are that are more textured maybe, than that. Maybe it's a retro game though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Cass was kind of talking about it almost in past tense. He was like, "You have that game." She's like, "I have all three of that game." So it might be like you have like original Super Mario. She's like, "Uh, yeah, on the NES." <laughs> um. We do have another first actual urine. First urine in Star Wars. And it's purple. Yeah. Well, of course it has. It has to be. It has to be space piss. That is. It 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 keeps it less less like I was gonna say less gross, but they actually are just like they actually call attention to its grossness. So. Mm That's that's a first in Star Wars. The first we've had poop. Now we have pee. Um. All right. My only other note is kind of this is it's kind of messed up keeping a teenager locked in her bedroom. You know, it's like you don't really hear about like teenagers being locked into their bedroom except for like strict religious houses or something like that or with like crazy parents and stuff. Agree with that? I think it just depends on the medium, because that's you know there's there's constantly storylines on like Nickelodeon and like teen teen shows where it's like go to your room and like the teenager has to like gets like are, is like grounded to their room and they have to sneak out and stuff because well that's that's not. that's one thing but like locking them in like an actual cell is another thing you know I mean, I've, seen, I've seen those on like you know teen Nickelodeon shows and stuff. Where it's like, I'm doing this for your own good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still, it's messed up. 
like oh, yeah, I'm not in, saying in reality good, locking up your kid is 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 psychologically kind of kind of messed up yeah i'm not saying it's a good thing um i'm just saying it, it's not uncommon in young adult media but that's about all i had for for act one my um i'll get my two shallow notes out of the way i love and hate buggles <laughs> I love and hate Buggles. He rides that line of being really cute and horrifically monstrous. And he actually kind of reminds me of a pug. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I think that's what they're going for. And putting, But the, the spidery legs make it, like, that's probably why they didn't give him eight legs, to make it, like, less, little less bug-like. But, you know, aside all that, like the combination i was really paying attention to like i've been sound editing all day for the last two days so i was like really paying attention to the sound editing going bb8's a pain in the ass because like you can't just make bb8 sounds and tack them on to bb8 you have to have all his gyros accelerate and slow down for every move so you have to actually make have some sort of bb8 noise simulator and do out all his actions to get it going, you know, because it's all. But anyway, anyway, Buggles is just very well designed, and the the animation yeah. and the sound design on him makes you 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 can tell that the his surface is almost like feather like. It probably feels like he probably feels like picking up a chicken because he looks <laughs> he seems yeah. to be very light and buoyant. And he doesn't have a lot of mass to him, but it, it it's there. Yeah. And his his fur is almost like a coating over him, like like feathers, like chicken feathers somehow, you know, sort of a thick, like almost like a a, a crust on there. But you you really like get the idea of like his physics and what he feels like and and yeah. everything from the animation. It's really well done. You know what I think is the thing that creeps me out the most. His eye wrinkles, not like because I think he has really cute, like big blue eyes, but like he has like those hollowed out like eye wrinkles. So he almost looks like an old man. Well, uh, the the little weird sharp teeth, too, and the weird shaped mouth with the little sharp teeth always looks kind of goofy, like weird and off putting to me. me Because it kind of reminds me of like cat or dog teeth. Yes, but it's like, yeah, but he's got cat, dog, and chicken, and bug all sort of going at the same time. So And he has those, like, little fingers, like, those, like, his legs bend at weird angles. Like, he has, like, four joints in his legs. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of crawly, like, but he's still cute, but he's horrific. He he reminds, because I used to own a pug. And anybody who knows a pug knows they can either be the cutest thing in the world or they look like monsters. Yeah, they're a mess. Yeah, pugs are a hilarious, awesome mess, but they're a and mess. Just, they're a genetic just, just, just... Yeah, and there's it's no It's just like you poor, hilarious thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's no in-between. They can't either breathe. They, they itch all the time. They got bad yeah. hips. You and know, they all, snore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's the thing. Their whole breathing apparatus has just been compacted into a into a round snout ball, and they yeah, have it's you, yeah. They're they're just all they're just messed up. They're. Have they're, you ever seen like a pug with a muzzle? A pug. Um, like they they they've been rebreeding pugs to where they actually have like full dog faces, and they are the cutest fucking things. They look like just they look like pugs, but with like you know noses. <laughs> 
that's that's uh, that's uh, that if that's true that's i hope it i hope it fixes that problem with the pugs because yeah because pugs are kind of miserable because they're always itchy and they're always like you know their breathing is just always going to be a pain in the ass for them and you got to breathe all the time so yeah life is just a constant pain in the ass for a pug so all they want to do is have people pet them and scratch the itch they're not, they're I not love muscles. them. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I I love them, but they should be allowed to die out, and mutts should be running around. I'm That's to another story altogether. I'm trying to remember. It's not called a muzzle, but it's just um, healthy. Like you know, they have mugs. Like they have like full noses and stuff, and they're really cute. A nozzle. Yeah, yeah. A nozzle. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but you know the the part of the dogs, the dogs like face and nose, and that comes out. Snout. I guess. <laughs> um, but they're really cute. Um, I as as much as I miss having a pug, I don't think I would ever own another pug again because they are very high maintenance dogs. <laughs> they're high maintenance, and that yeah, like, yeah, they're just overbred. They they but they they are, they're, they they're an abomination you. that sh- I should not exist. <laughs> but they will love you. I will tell. I will say that. Yeah. Oh they, oh. I that is the most Lucy was the most loving dog we they ever the, had. They are, she they just are loving, happy, chipper chipper friend by your side at all times yes that yeah, smells like horrible and they leave yes. their oil all over your hands and you have to wash oh your yes hands. yeah i forget that i forgot they're greasy and yes they're and very and greasy and animals. they smell like a, they smell like bad breath in an ass yeah yep, but they're they're cute um so something i, w- I was thinking about this one for my next note um and we talked about this when we covered uh, both Clone Wars and Rebels. And I just think something that Star Wars animation does so well is just portraying teenagers. They write teenagers really well. And, and I Young know adult that is Disney's bread and butter, man. Man. Yeah. And I think that, like, I know that a reason why a lot of people didn't like Ezra or Ahsoka in the beginning. And I could see this like opening scene with Toria could probably really annoy a lot of people. Like, oh, she's a teenager. Yeah, she is. And she's acting like it. I pulled that shit at 16 where I flopped on a couch and was like, mom, I'm so bored. Like I've done that too. And, and stores animation just does a really, really, really good job of writing teenagers. I, I always love watching how they write them because they're so true to form. Um... We kind of we've kind of already touched on this, but um, there's a line that Tora tells Kaz, and she says that her father has become way more protective since the First Order started coming around. Well, yeah, he's an ex-imperial. He knows exactly what they're capable of. So I just found that yeah. a very telling line about Doza. That is, I should say. Let me clarify. That's such a telling line oh, yeah. about Doza, and that was probably the first hint of, you know, because at, at the time we didn't know he watched this for the first time. Of course, we know this now, but like, well, going into this first time, we didn't know that he was ex-imperial. So that that was kind of like such a big hint. Um, and my only other note that I have is I really like this scene, and this scene sticks out to me every time I watch this episode. And if it's definitely a big building block into Tora's arc into season two. Um, because one of the things about Tor in season two is I kept repeatedly getting struck by how mature she was. Tor really takes on a very mature role in season two, um, especially after Kaz 
um, loses his home planet. Like she really steps up into that role while he's mourning and figuring things out. And she pretty much plays leader while Kaz is mourning. And it struck me seeing her here at the beginning of this, just being like, oh, I'm so bored and I'm a teenager. And like knowing where she goes in season two, which brings me to the crowd scene and later on the aces scene. But the crowd scene was the first one that stuck out to me because this crowd comes up to Torah and they're like demanding answers from this 16 year old girl. And she's not her father's keeper. But I like that scene because for a moment, she sees what it's like to be him. She sees the position that her father's in. And she's in it shows her that for she had 30 seconds of bombardment and then it happens again with the aces and she sees the constant bombardment that her father's under which is what drives her later to be like father you need to talk to people you're you're confusing and you're scaring people because you're not communicating with them but it's such a moment where she is on that journey to become a very mature leader but i think that was such an eye-opening scene for her because she got to see firsthand what what being a leader is like for her father and those hard decisions she has to make that he has to make i should say yeah also i guess it gives a little insight into why he would keep her locked up to to keep her away from that and also to keep her from like saying something that could be a security breach or cause trouble you know because yeah. everybody would be all over her when she's down there yeah but like just something as small as like the races like we know what like from the last episode what these races mean for everybody they bring in money they're everyone's livelihood um it's why the aces are there so like Tora was kind of lamenting at the beginning because she was like, I'm never going to fly again. And, you know, but she's saying like, oh, this is actually affecting people's lives. I I was I was it could have gone either way. I was kind of surprised a lot of times, like even if people like are like grumpy about like the captain, you know, Captain Doza person in charge of a place, they'll still kiss up to the the kids in order to a try to get information b try to get in good and stuff so a lot of like it could i i like i would i half expected him he was gonna go like oh well that's on the house and you know to try to like get get in good with the the rich girl or whatever you know the the captain's daughter so that it could have gone either way but since we're it's more like on you know an outer it's an outer rim sort of cantina like thing people are a lot more uh (laughs) like yeah like salty about it you know i loved how not subtle he was too he was like five credits and he saw he's like oh you're torah you have money give me 20 credits yeah (laughs) it wasn't even subtle it been what I, I i like as somebody who has worked retail it's like oh you don't do that to your customer well yeah but this is yeah but that's retail it is in a department a store you know in a company-owned store instead of like a in a haggly marketplace where it's like ah the price is based on uh what the person walking up looks like you know yeah yeah, yeah. i've done haggly marketplaces before too and you don't you know, if you go from five to twenty, most of the time the people are not gonna buy your wares. I actually had a Star Wars moment of just I was it was at an old lady. It wasn't a garage sale. It was like a uh, it was in their church. It was a church sale. That's what it was, and it was in the church. And uh, 
like we got there and people they hadn't opened the door yet and uh so we were waiting in line but we were some of the like first people and so we just sort of go at its tables with stuff in it and i picked up some star wars toy that wasn't anything really amazing and this little old lady just popped up out of nowhere and goes oh you like that that's ten (laughs) dollars I was like, oh, okay, thank you. It's not. Yeah, it was not, for sure. But she could just, because I was just like, ooh, Star Wars, and picked it up, and she was just like, aha. But, no, lady, keep it in your pants. She, she, you have to, the the good ones don't, don't even pretend to even notice you till, you know, they, they reel you in. So, yeah, you'd think an old lady would, uh, would be the, would be a master or mistress of that, but. Nope. I, uh, Not this one. I just imagine it being the little old blue lady who hits on Cass. Just being like, oh, you like it? It's, it's, it's not far. It's more like a short version of her, but it is, it's, it was as, as close as you could get to your, you know, your prototype stereotype, LOL, little old lady. Mm-hmm. Little old lady who. But it was just, it was, it was like, it was like a tiny version of Gra- Granny from the the Warner Brothers cartoons, and you know, just, yep. Well, that's all I have for Act One. Did you have anything else? I'm ready for Act Two. Give me one second. My vent just kicked on, and I just oh. need to cover it because it's hot. Oh, oh, I almost got it. Oh, Hope just has to vent, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of the reason why I kind of want to change my setup is that this vent caused me great cold or heat. All right. <clears throat> Act two, which was four minutes long. Tora and Kaz sneak back to Doza Tower and head into the super fancy Aces Lounge, which is even more fancier than the previous Aces Lounge from a few episodes ago. While Kaz who has been adjusting to poor people life, is stuffing his face with food. Tora is bombarded with more questions from the aces, just like she was in the marketplace. And Doza hasn't been communicating with them either, and they're just getting antsy. Suddenly, Kaz stops eating and whispers, My bitch senses are tingling. And behind the bar pops up that bitch, Jace Rucklin, who now works in the Aces Lounge. And that bitch is like, you, Kaz, everything is still your fault as you ruined my life and made choices for me. And you made me cheat. And you made me still hyperfuel. And you made me blow up my eraser. And it's all your fault that my life sucks now. And I, and now I have to go serve hype bantam milk, which is also your fault too. And then he walks off and Chaz is like, well, that's done. Hey, Tora, let's, let's go play video games in your room. And they head out. In the hallway. <laughs> this is my favorite scene of the entire fucking episode. It's so funny. <laughs> in the hallway, Tora and Kaz see Doza and Pai are talking. And Tora literally cartwheels. Cartwheels out of the shot. While Kaz swan dives. Like, he does a whole, like, puts his hands together and dives. <laughs> And it's so funny. It's my favorite moment of the entire episode. And I watched it four times because it makes very, me laugh. Very Disney. Very oh, Disney. It's just, it's so funny because, you know, a normal person would just kind of like scooch out of the way. She cartwheels and he dives. Like, like he's jumping no, they, off the they all, 
people also do in this show a lot of it's it's they don't literally but the the thing where you have to sneak away and you stretch out your first foot and then you put it down and and when the fir- the front foot is extended and hits you just sort of go and catch up with it you know they do a lot of that in this i'm sure oh, there yeah. were a couple of them in here with kaz hitting you know what i'm talking about i do know what you're talking about <laughs> it's it's very wily e. coyote i like it yeah me too me too um, Doza gives the amazing 4D, who's a reckoning, the data pad with the First Order plans on it to take to Doza's office while he shows Pyre and his goons out. Kaz wants to go after the plans, but he's still with Tora and has to wait. They get to her room, and Buggles sees BB-8, and Buggles is like, Oh. My. God. It's a giant ball to play with. I am now in doggo mode. Doggo mode activate and play with the ball. Tora's all bummed out over her dad changing recently. And Kaz takes a moment to sit with the young woman. There aren't too many teenagers or young adults on the classes. It's pretty much them, Team Fireball, and that bitch Rucklin and his friends. Kaz says at least they're friends. And he cheers her up by playing DDR Flight Simulator with her. But while they're playing, suddenly Tora hears the door beep, and she shoves Kaz into her massive pile of stuffed animals to hide him. And 4D enters, happy to see that Tora is back. But the moment 4D spots BB-8, 4D goes from nice nanny droid to There's an intruder! I must destroy the intruder! Get the intruder! And that's the end of Act 2, because Act 2 is only four minutes long between its commercial break. What even is resistance structure? I we were talking about this last week about how like sometimes Act One is like ten minutes long. <laughs> well, I don't understand the structure of the show because Act Two is only four minutes before. It might it might be less structured than other ones where they're just like they try to find a point and then the in generally that area and if, it, if they don't quite hit the beats they just a little short you know. I uh, would understand that if it was like a Disney Plus streaming show. It's like I I just I don't remember it being this chaotic when it was on Disney XD like when it was on a I mean, cable channel. I mean it only if like like watching it, it with the commercials that then it becomes intrusive but watching it like the- theoretically because it ends up being intrusive for me for me and you anyway because like watching it just all without the commercials it doesn't really really sort of bother it any but now we have we have to take notes <laughs> And figure out which part is which part. So like, so we have to pay attention to it now. But if we didn't have to pay attention to it, it wouldn't really figure in. But yeah, it's but but we also notice, you know, that like, it, like the the other ones hit their beats. You know, they hit their time period. I think maybe this one's moving further and further away from like, you know, network TV commercial scheduling where you don't have to hit the hit the marks the same and and disney might been like we don't we're not going to worry about we'll let the people who you know if if anybody gets this for syndication they can figure out where to put their commercials and for the most part like a lot of most stuff is streaming these days so the commercials just sort of pop up whenever the stream pops them up so yeah it's it's just weird Okay, so I, I only have two notes. Hold on, I'm, I'm checking something. Uh, no, I won't, I won't just say that. Yeah, that one. 
On that note, I do wonder if they were aware, because Disney Plus launched while season two was still running. So I would have to assume that in 2018, when the show was running, they knew that Disney Plus was coming. Oh, yeah. Well, if they, yeah, yeah. And before. So I think that's a very valid point that you just made, that maybe they were working to move it away from the cable structure. Yeah, well, you know, we'll hit it. Well, we'll, we have to hit a couple points to put commercials in, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, even though it, it, when Disney Plus launched, that means it had been in the play, play, like, once it launched, they knew it was going to launch for a certain amount of time, so everybody knew that, but before that, people even knew it was, like, getting mm-hmm. planned and figured out and stuff, so, like, yeah, and, and the writing's on the wall anyway, you know, about the, yeah. the way media works these days, so pretty much everybody down the line is probably just like, yeah, whatever, because now maybe, I think maybe about we're it not going to hit the commercials as tightly as we did. Because now I think about it, like Clone Wars, early Clone Wars, like you could tell where the clear commercial beats were. Um, but season seven of Clone Wars, we were kind of guessing where the breaks yeah, were. Yeah, they didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, do your sorry. Your notes. All right. All right. So, so like you, that bitch Ruckland is literally the ace's bitch in this episode. That bitch. Yeah. Good. And uh, another first Star Wars lounge. I mean, people have made Star Wars lounge music, but this was Star Wars lounge. This was like bossa nova, bossa nova elevator music in the lounge. I wish I could find it out there. Somebody find me some resistance music, please. Find us resistance music, please. Please. Now, now I now I'm even more aware, extra aware of it. But that's all I really had for for uh, for part two. So my um my small note I have in this very short act is the fact that the aces have multiple lounges while people are poor on the Colossus says so much. Yeah, no, they they make sure, and uh, pretty much very regularly in this show to like really keep underlining the like class the class system and the stratification there, you know. And it it is important, um, because what the, the, it's one of my favorite parts of the show that they like it's you know main show component like the of the whole place. <laughs> huh? It's it's one of the main component dynamics of the whole place. It's yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's, that's. And the reason it's important is because they spend so much of season one, like, showing the class dynamics and, like, all that. But you get to season two, and none of it matters anymore. And they pretty much rip down those walls. Because They're liter- it, literally all on the same boat at that point, yeah. Absolutely. And it's and, done so well. Um, and, uh, and, and it actually kind of reminds me of... Well, what's a good example? Um... I'll, I'll use Shira. I think that's a really good example. Um, Shira seasons one through four um, is all about the war between the princesses and the horde. But then at the end of season four, the bigger bad comes and none of that matters anymore. And the, that wall gets torn down. So it's not princesses versus horde. It's everybody working together to stop the big bad because there's a much bigger fish. So, like, season one, the fish is like, you know, how do we survive the day today? But the bigger fish comes in the or- first order trying to kill them, and now it's time to, you know, survive together. We're all the fishes now. This is a terrible metaphor. <laughs> but, 
yeah, I just love that moment where Kaz is like, you guys have multiple lounges, and I can't pay for water. Remember when Niku paid for water for me? Yeah, on an ocean planet. On an ocean planet. <laughs> That's called irony. Thanks, Bender. Thanks. Uh, um, uh, now I can't remember her name. Never mind. I just... I just thought about that Futurama episode where Fry is playing the musical and Binder goes, that's called irony. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to talk about Ruffin. Let's talk about this bitch. Uh, This is actually a, a, this this episode is a big step in his arc, um, especially him serving the aces. And I love seeing him still just putting the blame on Kaz because we talked about that, how in his first episode, him and Kaz were so similar, and Kaz could have very easily been Rucklin. But the difference is that Kaz is kind, and Rucklin's a jerk who cheats and steals. So it's like so satisfying to see Rucklin actually having to work while Kaz is getting the downtime and getting to like you know have some time off and breathe and stuff like that. But it's still a very important part of his story because all this that's happening here is what pushes him towards the First Order. You know, having to serve Hype, who's just like boy. Give me my bantha milk. And yeah, it also just... says something about Rucklin that, like, actually, like, that job at the lounge is probably a really good job to have if you want to be a future ace. Yeah. Than the yeah. Now, now he's hanging around with the aces. He gets a chance. He could, in, instead of being a surly little, little bitch about it, he should be, like, he should be working hard and, like, listening, listening to what people are talking, you know, I, you know. Uh, and and making friends, you know, but instead he's he's stewing and being surly and blaming it on Kaz, and it wasn't Kaz's fault at all, you know. Kaz yeah, basically saved Kaz saved his life, you know, and he's still like, you know, he's still he blames him for, the, you Everything. know, yeah, yes. he's and that's that's why I really enjoy seeing this at part of like Ruckland's character because they they could have easily just like not even put Ruckland in there but it's actually a very important moment and and I'll get more into this actually because I think do I have an extra in yeah no that? you I, might as well have a character like Ruckland in there if you have this yeah. like contained community you might as well have him for contrast and mm-hmm. he's the foil be, to there Kevin. would be someone like him anyway you know so yeah yeah absolutely and I'll, I have more about Ruckland in Act Three so I'll come back to him. Um, the only Me note too. I have, huh? Me too. Oh, okay. Um, the only other note I have is I really like the scene of Kaz and Tora playing ga- games together, especially for Kaz. Because um, at the end of the day, like, you know, I joke around about Tora being an underage girl and like Kaz is like 20, but they're still young adults. You yeah. know, it's, it's nice seeing them have like some downtime and some fun you know we like those moments and rebels where the ghost crew has those moments of downtime where like zeb is making space waffles or hera is reading it's, it's called wholesome it was yeah. a wholesome moment we had really, some wholesome really times and for Kaz, i think it's a really good scene for him too because Tora is talking about how upset she is that her father is changing and how lonely she's been and he sits on the bed and he's just like well we're friends you know, it, I I am your friend and I am here for you right now. And I, I started thinking about that scene is Kaz is usually the youngest with 
his rebel, his resistance peers, because he's younger than both Poe and Yeager. So he's looking up them at mentors. But in this scene, he's Tora's mentor. He's the older one. And he's getting to be the oldest one in the room and taking that time of making sure she's okay and comforting him. And that's some good leadership moments. Like that is a very good mentor moment. And we know that Tora takes that to heart because she really steps up in season two a lot to become Kaz's peer rather than the person that she looks up to. And so it's a, it's a really, it's such a brief little scene, but it's a good little scene in both of their character journeys in the show. Yeah, I just like it because Kaz isn't thinking about being a spy. He's just like, they're, they're, they're both just like, like, yes, let's play video games. They're just yeah. enjoying being enjoying young and being young, kids. dumb, and having fun with your friends. You know? I just also have to say, I love, I didn't note it, but I say, I was sitting Chris pictures beforehand. I love when Kaz is hiding in the stuffed animals, and he's just, like, holding it up over his face. A little, little E.T. moment. Absolutely. And it's just so funny. But that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No. Let's finish this. Zoltek off. I'm going to call him a Zoltek from now on. I forgot that what Zoltek was already in reference to. It's Oh, you must not listen to the end of our show. The I mean the end. The you know, the wake up Dario when he falls asleep part. But there's no, that, but, it was from a, it was from an old TV show. No, oh no, the board pack. Okay, cuz no, no, like you had brought up Zoltek earlier and I was trying to remember what you Oh, I'm a Zoltek, oh, yeah. It's a Vorpak, and because we always say, let's finish this puppy off, and Bug- Buggles is yes, the puppy, and he's a yes. Vorpak, and he's, I have now explained all the All right, truth. Hope's catching up, guys. I know all you guys got it, because all our listeners are super smart, and on top of everything, every word we say. And Hope's not super smart. She's actually super stressed and tired. Yeah, no, Chris and Hope are both, like, kind of punchy today, so they're, they're, that might explain a lot about this show. No, no, I think we're having a good time. I'm just tired. I'm just like, I know we talked about that already. But that was like a whole like 30 minutes ago. (laughs) I'm so tired. I don't remember what I did 30 minutes ago. That was like like, like 29 plus one minutes ago. (laughs) Dear Lord, that's almost a half in an hour. It is. Oh, God. And then, you know, if we get two of them, it's going to be like a whole hour or something. Oh, I don't even know. It's I'm going to fall asleep. About, you know, almost like an hour towards my bedtime. It's getting closer and closer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like, <laughs> I try to go to sleep at 11. It's normally like 1.30. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Act three. Act three. As 4D is trying to destroy BB-8 and Tora is frantically trying to get 4D to shut down attack mode, Kaz, who has been delightfully hiding in stuffed animals, slips out of the room without 4D noticing. Tora gets 4D to calm down and BB-8 gets the heck and heck out of there as well. And it's the perfect opportunity to sneak into Doza's office. BB-8 gets the door open to Doza's and Kaz slips in. But uh-oh, that bitch Ruglin just happens to be walking by and sees Kaz sneak into Tora's, op- Tora's office, to Doza's office as well. And well, that bitch is gonna be that bitch. Ruglin races out to the platform where Doza is showing off Commander Pyre. And for a moment, Ruglin's like, wow, the First Order. 
I'm going to be one of you guys in season two. Wow. And Doza is not pleased. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here, you little shit? Like, I'm trying to see these people off so they don't blow us all up. What the fuck are you doing here? You know, you're supposed to be serving me sandwiches and, like, taking out my trash and you're finishing this. What the fuck are you doing here? And, and Doza sends Pyre off like, goodbye, don't pay attention to the frantic child. Goodbye, Pyre, see you later. And he drags Ruckland back inside. And that bitch, in his most innocent and nicest voice, is like... Oh, gee whiz, sir. I sure did see someone break into your office. I'm Elijah Wood. This is my really sweet Frodo voice from, like, Fellowship of the Rings before I have to walk all the way to Mordor. Oh, jeez, Mordor. Oh, jeez, Gollum's there, too. I, I sure hope that bad person who broke into your office doesn't do anything bad. Oh, gee whiz. We gotta go catch him now. And as they go running through the hallways, I just, that was a horrible Elijah Wood impression. <laughs> as they go I'm not going to argue with you, Hope. I'm not going to argue with you. So, oh, gee whiz, I, Mr. Frodo. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, oh, Mr. Frodo. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how one does a Elijah Wood's um, impression anyway. So to, to your you know to your benefit you know i don't i don't know how it's possible to do a uh, there's nothing like super elijah woods about elijah it's not like you know sylvester stallone or something yeah like he that that had more of a samwise ganji and a rick and a, and a morty from rick and morty yeah 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 just kind of oh jeez oh, mr Frodo. Frodo. oh jeez <laughs> we got to go to mordor we got to go to mordor for sam we got to go to mordor Get the mortar, Sam. <laughs> that was my terrible Rick impression. You gotta be able. You gotta be one of those people who's able to burp on command to do Rick. Uh, yeah. I just happen to be drinking my seltzer water right when you. Said there you go. <laughs> anyway, we're, oh, they're running to Doza's office. Um, Kaz is looking through an office for his data pad with the plans, and he finds it. And he starts downloading the data, but he's ran out of time before he can escape. Escape. And the only way out of Doza's office is the elevator, where Ruckland and Doza are about to pop out of! So Kaz dives into the coat closet, where he sees an old imperial coat hanging, showing that Doza was once part of the Empire. Bum, bum, bum. Ruckland, when they get there, is practically manic as he's looking for Kaz. He's like, he's gotta be in here. I gotta find that guy. I gotta find my way to Mordor. And Doza loses all his patience and throws his trash at Rucklin and kicks him out like the trash he is. Good for you, Doza. But Doza has his own suspicions as he eyes the coat closet. Uh, but before... Sorry, I had to burp again. But before he can open that door, Cass has a superpower. That's luck. And his superpower of luck kicks in because at the exact moment, Tora comes into the room. And she's like, Dad... Dad, you've been really sucking at communication, and I'm getting flack from it from both the aces and the normal people. You have to tell them something, because they're getting really concerned about all this. And Doza admits that she's right, and they leave, which finally gives Kaz the opportunity to get out of there. But he's not off the hook yet, because Tor catches up with him in the hallway and wants to know why he was in her dad's office. 
So she takes them through a secret way that has no guards, and they jump into the trash incinerator, which Tora thinks is totally fine, because in theory, it's not trash day. But Cass points out that it's totally trash day. And then, then the incinerator comes on and starts shooting laser beams at the trash, which just seems like a huge waste of resources, because why can't they just burn it? But whatever, it's a kid show. And they tap, they now trapped with death lasers. Kaz and Tora dive and dodge laser beams until Tora realizes it's just like their video game. And she's just having the best time of her life trying not to die while Kaz is rightfully panicking about trying not to die. And BB-8 gets the door open, they escape certain death. Now safe, Tora asks Kaz point blank if he's a spy because her father found out that he used to be in the New Republic Navy. And Kaz is like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Me? Me? A spy? A spy? What, what? Girl? Girl? You look good today. I'm not a spy. I don't mean you look good in a creepy way. You're underage. I don't mean it like that. You, you just had to save me from the laser beams. You saved me from the laser beams, and I was curled up in the corner crying like a baby. Spy? I'm not a spy. No. I'm not a No. No spies here. I just want to be a racer. You know, like zoom, zoom. Just racing, and there's nothing to see here. No siree. No spies. Right? And Tora clearly is not okay with this answer. But she lets him go. And same with BB-8. But Kaz has left an impression on Tora, leading her to wonder who he really is. The end. Just some dork. Nothing to see here. Did you say he's just a dork? Just some dork. Nothing to see. <laughs> Nothing to see here. I would love to hear, like, Christopher Sean just be like, in Kaz's voice, just be like, oh. I'm just some dork. Well, this what? is the first episode he wasn't being totally, like, you know, he wasn't totally being just, like, a stumble bum and being totally, like, out of, he's getting more in his element, so she's taking him more seriously and then she's noticing something's up. Because remember we talked a couple episodes ago, it's like, oh, everybody's just going to be like, yeah, there's no way that guy's a spy because he's just too doofy. Yeah, and, uh, he's a dork. But she's getting to know him better, so she's just like, oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Rucklin could have really... Uh, what Rucklin should have done is waited outside of Doze's office and then, like, tackled Kaz when he got out and been like, security, and then they would have had him with the, with the you know, copied tablet and everything. But Rucklin, Rucklin's fucking Rucklin. And then I thought... Because he wants to use it as a way to make himself look good to the captain. Right, right. But he could that that would have been a better way. He would have actually caught him and gotten evidence and stuff. But he's and then I thought fucking Rucklin, and then I'm like I did the whole Tarkin equation where I went fucking Rucklin, Fucklin, Fucklin, <laughs> that bitch Fucklin, Fucklin. <laughs> you just use the Tarkin equation. Although I think Tarkin is funnier because it's not, it doesn't actually have the swear in it. It's, it just sounds, it sounds like it has a swear in it. So it's, I think it's and funny it's saying Farkin, but, but, like but Fucklin, but Fucklin, yeah, that, 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 that sums him up and up. Fucklin. And Farkin sounds like a fart, like Farkin. And like, geez, just, just Disney. Like even when you write the words Rucklin, it's just that R is just like one bendy line away from an F. And it's just yeah. like it's just like pretty rude name for Disney. I'm 
I'm here for it. Um, and why has he got his imp- like? It's a good way of, of revealing that. And I for, I forgot that we had I for some reason I thought somebody had mentioned oh yeah he used to be imperial or something but that was probably you and I talking and not someone on the show, yeah. but like I mean what is I mean when what we know about Doza now that we know about Doza we're like I'm thinking what he's not just, why would you have your why would you have that piece of evidence that you don't want anybody to see in a closet in your office and not in a box locked away somewhere. Whatever, are you still putting on your? I mean, at this point, it it, it makes sense. It's like, are you still putting on your imperial uniform and being like, eh, I, I remember the old days or whatever, you know? It's it's just weird to have it, you know, there. But I, like, I have my own theories about that. Um, it's like I, a reminder, you think? I I think so. I I because I, I I was considering that too because on one hand it just it it very much feels like it's a plot point because uh, they're very clearly trying to make Doza the red herring like he's the spy like and it's and we were we've been talking about that for a few episodes now where he's they're really pushing for him to be the red herring, um but I I you know as a character. I think it's a reminder because, you know, That's the only, the only way that really, makes sense, right? You know, yeah, the only people who are in his office are like him and Doza and like any business that he has. And it's not like his business is like going through his closet. Yeah, but so, he didn't want his daughter to see it. And his daughter would probably, you know, having a daughter, she's probably going to get into it. You know, and I, I think I has just like, got into it. You know, I'm under the impression that she knows. Um, and, and I think that we know that she knows from season two, because uh, there's an episode with Vanessa, her mom, and they either, either, but either he, he didn't want her to see it in the, in the closet because he could, that he stopped, no, he kept but, getting distracted, but like, I don't think he wanted her to see him open up the closet either. Because she knew that Kaz was in there. Oh, that's right. No, no, I think he didn't want to, though. I think he didn't open... I think he didn't keep looking in the closet while she was there, because if he opened up the closet, she'd see the uniform. But but that's what I'm saying, Chris. I think she already knows. Because it's actually in season two, and I, and I don't remember who said where or what, but part of his origin story with, his, with Tora's mom, Vanessa, is she got him to leave the Empire. Oh, okay. So that's how they met. Um, so I, I would not be, I, I would be really shocked if Tora didn't know because that's actually part of how he met his wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I just, I, my theory is, I think it's just a reminder, you know, it's normally the only way to open that door is with like a button that Kaz pushed. And I think he might've just like jimmied it open or something. Um, but I, I think it's just a reminder of what not to be, you know, because that's actually one of my notes is I, I love that Doza used to be an Imperial. I think that's a really cool character trait for him, especially like looking at the show as a whole, like especially with him and Yeager, because we know Yeager used to fight for the rebellion. And it really says a lot when an ex-rebel and an ex-Imperial are friends and working together. Um, I think that's just such a really cool piece of character work because um, it, it infers a lot about like what you, what Doza probably did in the past. We know that him and Griff left together, that Griff served under him in the Empire. And it says a lot about Griff yeah. and like who Doza is and, as a person. So I and just it think happens that's... a lot after wars. 
a lot of times they end up being like you end up like having like friendships and stuff like that because yeah they're humans or people or they're sentient beings so yeah that's that's actually one of my favorite things about doza is he used to be an imperial and i think that's this character this, this character the show is really good with its nuances of like those gray areas um there's really not a lot of black and white in this show. Like we know that Sonara is a gray character. She goes from pirate to friend. And, you know, we have Tam who goes from friend to first order. And I, I, this show really thrives in those gray areas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know I like that about it. So, but please continue to rest your note. Um, I have very few notes. I have, um, I'm going to back you up on the, 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 that method of trash incineration is very inefficient and it's so funny consuming you just put it in a pile and heat up that room you it's star wars they know how to heat up a room to slag all the metal out we they do in toy story three you know they set the trash on fire and the toys almost die and as long as i'm making up nicknames i'm 4d i'm gonna call her 5g from now on (laughs) do you know what her uh actual her her four her full name is 4DM1N, which is elite for admin. Oh, jeez. I know. I think but it's the, funny. That's that's all I really got. Um, my my only other simple note is, and you brought this up all the time during our Clone Wars and our Rebels episodes, is this episode would be a lot easier if Doza had cameras in his office. I think they could have really uh I think they could have really done that and made it work with the story cuz you could have had Doza been like okay it was Kaz and then like grab Kaz and Kaz is like yeah, I'm first order I'm here to you know he 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 either gets Kaz to spill the beans or he figures it out cuz he's an ex-imperial with a kid and figures out okay he's for the you know spying on the first order and then he's like okay and then like doza can just be like well guess what you're working for me spying on the first order too so oh that, that would have been so cool yeah it could yeah and that would be a total that would be the totally what a captain doza would do so you could have they could have they could have had the camera and they could have had the last scene in this captain doza going like pop it up the security cam and gone you know right after right after tora goes like what you know who are you kaz and then like you you see your father just like going boop and then going like ah we've already done that though because that's the end of the episode of the high tower because when kaz is like running away outside and everyone's betting on whether or not he's gonna die that's the final scene of that episode is doza pulls up the camera footage and goes who are you kazuda yeah and then his daughter does it but then like he would be yeah and then he would be they and but they like to repeat little things too and that would repeat he wouldn't be asking it she would ask it and then the next scene he would just be silently going like ah kazuda you and i are gonna have to talk you know Mm -hmm. i would have actually much rather had that than the trash shootout like i get the trash shootout and it's fun and you know it it is a fun little scene and it's really well animated and, and it's and it's fun but i would have rather taken that out and had doza just being like uh, I found this, and now you're spying for me now. And yeah, yeah. I th- imagine yeah. Kaz's face; he'd be like Yeager, and Yeager's like he should have been better at spying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> Yeager'd be like, yeah, he's a smart one, that Captain Doza. You got to watch out for him, dummy. <laughs> yep. Get to work. Uh, all right. 
I'm going to ramble off this note. It's a little bit long, but it's my other that bitch record note. Um, actually, no, this is two notes, right? Well, yeah, sort of. So there's a moment, and I would have completely missed it if I just didn't happen to pause on it to, you know, write recap stuff. Um, and I just happened to pause on it, but it's so, so telling you, Recklin, and we've already kind of talked about this. While Recklin and Doza are running back to the office, Recklin keeps looking over at Doza nervously, like, because he knows this moment is going to really make or break his chances to move up in the ranks. And I remember the first time I watched this episode, and I mean, like, the first time, like, going through season one, not knowing the rest of Recklin's story, um, not knowing the rest of Recklin's stories. I remember feeling a little bit bad for Recklin in this scene. But now that I know his entire story, I'm like, nah, fuck this guy. Fuck this little Nazi Fuck this little blonde guy. This is just another moment that pushes him towards the first order, but it's all choices. He's making these choices. He's, I mean, yeah, he, that's what I was just gonna say. They're giving him every opportunity to be a be a good guy. To be a good guy. Or and just a human, even. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and I think you know, I think that's the most interesting thing about Rucklin. Kaz is about making all the right choices. Rucklin is about making all the wrong choices and why their paths vary. And I think that's such a telling message because he could forgive Kaz, he could work hard, he could keep his head down, he could do all the right things, but Rucklin wants to be the flashy showboater who wants the easy path and have it land in his lap. Kaz works. We know that. We see this. We constantly see Kaz working. Constantly. And he's getting, he's already getting, becoming a better mechanic. He's becoming better at being a spy. And he's a kind person, as we saw earlier in this episode with Tora. Ruffin's just a cheat, a snake, and fuck that little Nazi bitch. Yeah, he's learning and evolving. Yeah, absolutely. And he gets what he deserves. Which I just realized I can't get, I can't say too much more because the finale and you haven't seen it, but it's like, what are you talking about, Hope? What do you mean what he gets his deserves? I you know, he goes to the First Order and he has a lovely time with tea cakes and tea. And him and Pyre yeah. and Tyranny are just little friends. And they're all like, what a good little boy, Ruckland. And he's all like, thanks, Tyranny and Pyre, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah, he totally gets what he deserves. A happy family in the First Order. Okay, cool. <laughs> and my only other note is... I want to talk about this final scene um, where Tora asks Kaz point blank if he's a spy. And I started thinking about that scene for a bit. Kaz all but says he's a spy. Yeah, and you he, can tell he can't handle that question. What? <laughs> he can't handle that question. That, and, that question is beyond his skills. And you know it. Like, because you hear, like, he gives his bullshit answer. And Tora looks him in the face and goes... I think you should go. And he knows he's caught because he doesn't even try to blow it over. He just goes, thanks, Tora. And he leaves. And it's it's one of those things like he knows that she knows that he knows that she knows moments. And then I started reading and, and I, I, I started thinking about the arc as a whole because Tora, of course, becomes one of Kaz's best allies in the entire show. What would that scene have been like if he had done that for Tam? Tam's entire trajectory would have changed. But that's the point. He never did that for Tam. He never gave her those hints. He never gave her those heads up. He just lies to her over and over again. And Tam never gets the same benefit that Tora does. And that's why Tam is hurt and leaves and goes. 
But Tora actually gets that time and that respect from Kaz, and it's different, and it puts them on a completely well, different trajectory. Tora, Tora had to force him into that to, to get that though. She had to like yeah. she had to she had to call him out and be like, "Are you are you a spy?" and figure it out. Whereas, you know, Tam, Tam isn't really like thinking in that direction. She's just. She's just like, why are you such a jerk? <laughs> you and, know? and I think the difference is also that Tam has Yeager, because Yeager's covering for Kaz, too. And right. Tam trusts Yeager. That's her father figure. So if her father figure is going, you don't right. need to worry about that. I know he's a little bit, you know, he's a bit of a dork, and he's still learning. But I gave you a chance, too, so let's just give him a chance. And that's the difference. Uh, it's not like Captain Doza is sitting there over Torin just going, okay, I'm covering for you, Kaz, because I know you're a spy, too, because he doesn't. But Ygritte does, and that's the, right. I think that's the piece that's missing yeah. in the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying Kaz, Kaz didn't willingly, like, let her in on anything, you know, trust her and let her in on it. He did it because he was he had to, you know? Yeah, he got perfectly cornered. Yep. But, but I think that's also just, like, just shows how smart Tora is too. She's just in. She's just like uh, I did all the research for my. I went through my. <laughs> actually, it shows what a teenager Tora is. Let me rephrase that. She's like I went through all my dad's files and he didn't know, and I found all this information about you. Are you a spy? <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> yes, but I'm not. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just. That scene was just, uh, I just kept thinking, like, what if he did that for Tam? It would just change the entire show if, yeah. if, if he had done that for Tam. But he didn't. And this is this is a show about choices. It would eliminate a story arc, a major story element of the, the whole show. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, like, in, like, it's very similar to the Harry Potter stories where it's, you're seeing the, um the onset of some sort of totalitarian fascism or how that like takes hold in places. So you got to show all those, you know, you got to show all the different, you know, aspects of how it, you know, turns up and how people get sucked into it and how the, the people who don't and, and all that. So it's, 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 yeah, it's like an important arc in the, in the whole thing, but yeah, it's, 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 Un- it's uncomfortable to watch because you like both the characters and you don't want them, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a tension, but that's, yeah, drama I tension. I, I was talking about this recently um, in an article I wrote over on geekygirlexperience.com. You can write, read in all my reviews and stuff. And I wrote an article about why the story structure of Bad Batch would probably be more like Resistance than Clone Wars. And I noted, I said that Resistance is a show of choices. Um everything because this is a character show the plot doesn't usually doesn't force the characters to make choices the plot is driven by the character choices which is the difference um between resistance and clone wars one is the plot forcing the change and the other one is the characters are forcing the plot and i i like that because it comes down to like the difference between rucklin and jace the difference between tor and tam and it's just choices choices that people make and I think that's such a compelling story for Resistance. Yeah, I think it's almost like a necessary component for it, for yeah. for what they're trying to go for. But that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right, Chris, score it up for me. I gave this one slightly less than last time. I gave this one an eight. I liked it. I enjoyed it. 
I I'm I'm in like I enjoy how this show is get, gets going. You know, it actually gets going faster than other Filoni shows because it gets ending faster than other Filoni shows. But like now, like the plot, the 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 wider plot is fully underway in this show. So it was enjoyable. I like it. I liked it. Yeah, I like this episode too. I think I I also like this a bit less than I like the last couple episodes as well. Um, I think that the, to me this is a really big stepping stone episode for Tora, Captain Doza, and Reckland's character arts. Kaz has a lot of really good moments in this episode, and it's a lot of fun. Um, to me, I think it does lose a little bit of steam in the trash compactor scene. It's it's a fine scene. It's really well animated. It's funny and it's cute. But I just I feel like. I always feel like it's kind of tacked on to the end. I always forget it's there because I'm just so compelled by everything else happening in the episode. Yeah. That that I, I wasn't delighted like... by it. You know me, I'm the action guy. And I was just like, oh, this is cool. And it was well animated. I was distracted by the fact that that's not how an incinerator would work in, in the, in star Wars world. Yeah. But at the same time, it was, it, it didn't really like, it was, it didn't, it didn't, prepa- it didn't give anything new to the plot or anything. Yeah. And, and yeah. everything was going fine anyway. So yeah, that was, yeah, like, like I said, the, I, I would agree that that was my least favorite beat in the whole thing. Yeah. If I it's, had to it's choose. Cool, but that, that, that's the part that actually brings it down. I would rather them use that time to do other yeah, things. They, they could have done more spy stuff and story yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. I think it's a good episode. I really like it a lot, but it's just I think the other ones were better. So I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Give me a sec. Oh my. I cleared my throat and then I immediately like inhaled it back down my throat. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. All right. As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from both Twitter and our Facebook page for the final episode of Clone Wars, Victory and Death. All right. Okay, so our first one on from Twitter is from Bucho, and he says, How the heck did you get through without even one sob? I, it was surprising, because you were definitely psyching yourself up for I, talking yeah. about it. I sometimes tear up just thinking about that shot painting across the graves onto Jesse's helmet. I'm tearing up just writing this day tweet. It hopes that it definitely helped having Chris there because Chris spoils every special moment with his sarcasm. I was tearing up writing the notes for sure because Chris wasn't there to ruin everything. I just kind of ruined myself because I realized I was still muted as I was yelling, Jesse! <laughs> I realized I was muted the whole time. Yeah, so it was just for your family and the cats. <laughs> so. They're probably like, is she okay in there? And I'm just like, Jesse! They, they already, it's, yeah, it's far, too far gone, Hope. Yeah, it's, they, they already know. They've heard, they've heard worse, I'm sure. All right, so the next one comes from Facebook. And it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I was I reading for my Jesse mishap. Mm, I was reading a five-minute Star Wars story to one of my kids, covering Yoda's battle with Count Dooku in Attack of the Clones after he knocks out Anakin and Obi-Wan. Story pointed out that Dooku, by force tipping the pillar towards Anakin and Obi-Wan, 
he was presenting Yoda a choice between fulfilling the mission of taking out capturing Dooku or saving Anakin and Obi-Wan. I realized the Shoko was given the same choice between keeping Maul or helping saving Rex from getting shot down. Oh yeah. They both chose to save their companions, which makes both of them very strong. Oh yeah, good companions. Others have struggled with this a bit more or possibly even chose to pursue the enemy. Great finale. Oh yeah, it was a great finale. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it was. It was the great grape finale. I chose last week. Candy, candy, candy. Candy, candy. I chose well, last week. We have the only boring candy we have is the Lily O'Brien dark chocolate Himalaya salted bar, which I think we've done before. I think we have done before too. Everything else looks is is tantalizing. Including two ooklas. Which one do you want to do? Oh. Uh, let's do the aha. The aha? Okay, let me find it. Ah, I dropped it. I dropped it. Aha. That's not it. That's cool. No, is it the ookla? No, it's uh. Is it the orange package? Yes, it is orange. Uh, orange so if you don't green. know what we're doing, um, yeah, the Chris shamrock is- on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a big old weirdo. So our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster for Eat and Beat It, sends us candy from all over the world to review, and I have to figure out which one this is. Um. I'm guessing it's one of the ones from Turkey because this looks like it's written. It looks in Turkish. Actually, no, it doesn't. Greek, this looks maybe. More, this looks more like it's. Oh, it's Russia. It's an aha bar from Russia. I was about to say this looks Russian. Ah. And I know that because my my parents took a trip to Russia when I was a child, and they brought back like all this Russian stuff. So we have actually like. Lots of that riding around. Yeah, we have like photos framed in Russian. So I, w- I was looking at this and I was like, this is not Turkish. This is definitely right. not that let's, language. Let's collude so this... with this Russian chocolate. Mm. Ooh, it smells good. Waffery. Every, we're all, it's all Waffery from now on for the rest of this batch anyway. Mm. Oh my God. This is all Waffer. Which is it's very sort of waffer. like three Kit Kats melded together. It really is. It's crunchier than a Kit Kat, though. It's got some... It's probably, like, a, almost an inch thick of just wafer. It's a little shorter than an inch. It's, like, half an inch. It mm-hmm. is just wafer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think ten layers of wafer. There's a lot of wafer layers. Mm. And it's, ex- it's extra crunchy. It's got a little extra crunch crackle mm-hmm. to it. This is really good chocolate, though. Almost like there's a little cinnamon in it. The thing about the wafer is the chocolate would be really sweet if it was just by itself, but the wafer actually takes away a lot of the sweetness of the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I like wafer food. It's not mm-hmm. super, super, super sweet. And it's got texture and... Mm. 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 Very good, Dario. Very good. Yeah. Mm. Good job, Russia. Good job, Dario. Mm, save that for later. Mm, mm. Get me a drink. 
Mm. Hope and I have just eaten like three microchips. <laughs> mm. Well, Chris, do you have anything else for secrets and holograms? I do not. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. If you uh, are new to websites, um, you can follow our podcast. <laughs> Have you never heard of the <laughs> internet? <laughs> That's right, and I'm an asshole. And we keep all our podcasts there, thousands and thousands. Literally, I think we just hit like five thousand six hundred or seven hundred. We're 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 cruising towards six thousand podcasts there. And you can you can sign up for you can grab our RSS feed for your whatever your podcatcher is there or or on iTunes. Or you can go to Two True Freaks on Facebook and see what we post up there. And we have the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our lounge. Mm. And if you're so inclined to go to Twitter, you can go to the our Twitter feed, which is maintained by Jean Jean. <laughs> I don't know what G, what kind. It's hard to tell what kind of. I'm trying to think of what the the latest. Uh, uh, Gene's in a theater, theater, audio theater thing, and I'm trying to think. He was he's just this month. I guess he's just Gene Gene, the random hippie machine, because yeah, he didn't play a huge role. He was just a background hippie. Gene Gene, the background hippie machine. Peace, love, and happiness machine. The big the big role of Sasquatch in this. This week's presentation went to Michael Bailey, so. I liked how I just did the Gene song. Did you just like. And I went, peace, love, and happiness, hippie. Gene! (laughs) Gene did some pretty. had to do some background background chanting in this, and he did a really good job. He knew some real. knew some real chanty. Good, good chanty stuff. Gene's got like, some good... like druid chanting or like yes, sports yes. chanting. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was technically druid chanting, but yes, so, you know that sort of like, you know, so you okay. know, standard, your standard hippie and... satanic cult from the seventies type chanting around a fire. Okay, because there's you a difference know. between druid chanting and sports chanting. Because sports chanting is yes. like, we are the A from way down south. <laughs> one is done in a sports arena and one is done at Stonehenge. I can't wait for soccer. Oh my god, it's almost it's almost here. Alright, good for you guys. Good for you you sports people. Go sports! And baseball's gonna be here. We're in spring training of baseball! Enjoy it all. I am. Uh, too bad the Hawks suck, because basketball would be more fun if the Hawks didn't suck. Enjoy I love your basketball. Go, go Trey Young. John Collins. Team. Anyway. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I need to tell where people can find me. Oh, shit, shit. Hope. Hope. Where can people find you? <laughs> You were like, she's talking sports. I need to get the sports, fuck out I'm, of I'm here. dialing out, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I could just see you, like, you're covering your head, and you're just like, I just gotta get the Shriveling fuck out of here. up more than Yoda was earlier. She's, she's talking sports, man. I just, I got, uh, Hope, look at the time. I just gotta go. Bye. Exactly. You need a, you need a spray bottle for me, but, like, it's your sports spray bottle. Just like, <laughs> Trying to 
not be mean to people's hobbies, lest they be mean to mine. I'm certainly not mean to your hobby. I've done a podcast with you for six months. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> you could be mean to garage sailing or something like that. I got other hobbies that you could put down, I'm sure. No, I actually really enjoy garage sailing. I can't wait for it to be warm. Me too. Me too. All right, Hope, where can people find you? You can find me at Jake as in Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. Of course, I have my website, geekygirlexperience.com. And as I was saying earlier, I just finished writing an article about how I think the story structure of Bad Batch will be much closer to Star Wars Resistance than it will be to Clone Wars. And you can I find saw that. that. And Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. We are getting really close to finishing up Gravity Falls by the time this episode comes out, and we're getting ready to start up Avatar The Last Airbender, and Chris is going to be watching it for the first time. We're really excited about that. Good to be and bending that air, guys. Hmm? I'll be bending that air. Yep. And you can follow us on Twitter for Homies Chris Watch Cartoons. It's just our initials. So hmcwc pod on twitter and it's just the initials of hope chris watch cartoons i'm gonna be that jerk who's like hey hope let's bend everybody's ear about the last airbender that's what we should call the podcast earbender i wonder if that's actually i it is a pretty good name isn't it that Holy is. Shit. No, I, I have to. I just have to ear bender. <laughs> I'm just curious if it's already taken because that's uh, a really it's good. It's got to be. It has got to be. There's oh, there's an ear bender music. Uh, somebody has to have thought about ear bender at some point. Yeah, there's somebody named John Rosenfelder. What about the last ear bender? The last ear bender. Last. Last Airbender. The, it's trying to correct me for Airbender. Uh, uh, last Airbender podcast. Let's add that. No, no, it's trying to correct me. Um, uh, it's just trying to correct me into uh, what's it called? Not that. In, into the into the regular name. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, I, yeah. I might I might just bleep this out of this this whole exchange. Hope so nobody can steal the last earbender from us. I'm not gonna change our entire name of our. Podcast. No, we gotta name an episode that though at least or or like, yeah, we gotta at least make the reference. Yeah, no, there's no way we should. You, you don't do that, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Actually. Maybe we can buy it and sell it to some nerd who wants to do a Last Airbender podcast. I'm be like, I like your podcast. I want to do a Last Airbender podcast. Yeah, you want a really good URL? (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually um, really interested and mixed feelings about they just announced like an Avatar like MCU kind of like network. They have like multiple shows coming and it's just going to be like an Avatar network pretty much. And it's going to be like multiple shows set in the world and different time periods. And I'm just like... On one hand, I love Avatar, and I, I'd be cool to get, like, other shows set in other times. But on the other hand, I kind of just wish they would let a lying dog lie. Uh, well, you'll find we're going to find out, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I just, um, because I like Korra, and Korra's not a perfect show, but it's a really, it's a, it's a good show. It goes through its, its, when it's actually allowed to breathe and to work, it works so well. But I think after Avatar and Korra, I just, I don't think we need, like, like, the Kyoshi books are fine. Um, 
I, I think that's a cool way to like explore Kyoshi and her past and stuff. But I don't need a show for like every fucking Avatar. I really don't. Me neither. Bye, folks. <laughs>